I just remember doing a triple turn and spotting 12 times. Um, <laughs> I want you to I want you to visualize that because it was goofy. That's that's why the pause happened. back to Gamble's Green Room. I'm your host, Mike Gamble, bringing the people you need to know with the stories you want to hear. Today, I'm joined by another guest friend of mine that I've known for a long time in the industry, even though we haven't seen each other in a long time. Let's see. He is a choreographer, casting director, and artistic director. He has worked on projects from TV, like The Masked Singer, Community, The Office, he's worked on. He's done uh, music videos, award shows, and worked with artists like the Black Eyed Peas. I think he's worked with Taylor Swift. He's done a bunch of movies, including the franchise Bring It On. And then with that, he's also worked with a number of cheer and dance teams for both the NBA and NFL. And then... He's done a crap load of commercials. <laughs> I remember the one for Herbalife we did together years ago. This is my boy. Please give it up for the man, Mr. Tony G, Mr. Tony Gonzalez in the house. What's up, brother? What's happening there, my handsome young friend? Great to see your face. Great to see your smile. Uh, and happy to uh, reconnect. So thank you very much for having me. No, uh, thank you very much for being here. You are, as I said, you've been in this industry for such a long time. The fact that I have the honor of calling you a friend is just, and that you want to do this. Like this is, this is me thanking you for being here so people can find out who you are so they know who my friends are because like I'm humbled in your presence, bro. You've done so much. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm only 25. So you, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, 25 and timeless. <laughs> 25 and timeless. I mean, I'm grateful to say, uh, to thank, thank you very much for saying those kind words, but I'm grateful to be in a community where I have opportunity, uh, you know, to flourish and grow and continue to learn. Um, so I'm happy to say that I have a resume, but um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't educate the mind. The right. resume doesn't, the resume doesn't help as it did one time. Um, when it was a, a factor. Uh, and so when I hear you say some of those things, I, I just smile because I'm like, um, what's my next gig? Or what am I trying to do? <laughs> or where am I trying to go? <laughs> and you know, the uh, not an interesting, but a fun thing as well about you is you are such a, you are seriously such a humbly authentic person. It's, uh, you are always smiling. Your voice is always just chill. Even even in those high pressure moments, you're just like, you know what? Let's just get it done. It's just, just fix it. It's just good. And, and then, but then you come back and you're just like, yeah, okay. So when do we do the next one, I just love being around your energy. It's always been a pleasure. And I think that's why so many of our friends enjoy work with you as well. I know uh, Chris Moss works with you a lot and it's just, you can't have that type of working relationship without you being a good person, no matter what the resume says, as you say, it's about the person behind the resume that means the most. Well, you know, it's it's really uh, eye-opening uh, with some of the things you said. And again, with my friends and everything, I try to think back of uh, when I was younger, attempting to do whatever I call what I do right now, which it, it is my career. Mm -hmm. um, but I use those words loosely as whatever I do is, uh, you know, um, 
I get frantic. I'm very energetic. I'm very in your face. I'm very, uh, uh, let's get the job done. And what's the next gig? Um, I'm very high energy and everyone's all like, God, you're on caffeine. You're on, you're on a uh, Coke. You're on, not that Coke, <laughs> Coca-Cola. You're, you're, you're on, you're on something. Uh, but you know, it's, it's funny when I, again, think back being able to talk to a friend is, um, I've kind of always been this person mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I was always that person too that was, uh, you know, I never like to say the story and we were always told no, mm -hmm. but um, I mean, listen, the agencies back then when I came out here, they flat out uh, the, who were they, JHR and Bobby Ball. I think mm -hmm. those were the ones that, that, that flat out said no. And so um, I, I taught myself then to be authentic to who I am and and what i can give to whatever it is the room the feel the vibe i mean um it has nothing to do with what you said but it just popped in my head rosario uh at alley cat many moons ago i remember he couldn't he couldn't um remember a part of the choreography that was being taught at the audition mm -hmm. and i was outside teaching everybody and i wasn't even yeah. the choreographer i was just trying to get the gig and uh, I was just outside, like, it's this, it's that. And I was telling everybody what they forgot. And so then next thing you know, I had a group of eight people behind me learning or whatever the deal was. I didn't get the job. And I was always told after the job was, why are you helping those people outside? And why are you giving them their memory? And I was like, I, I don't think I'm giving them their memory and I don't think I'm helping them. I'm just me. And I just, well, you know, they asked, I answered, and we did. It mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, who are you? What are you? What are we doing? And uh, why can't it be? So full of energy since day one, uh, but always that energy was uh, thrived by the fact that people said no. People said maybe next time. People said uh, um, not the right this or that, whatever. So mm -hmm. I knew what the right thing was, and that right thing was be me. Right. And if I can be authentic to the way I uh, uh, portray myself, uh, the good, the bad, the negative, the ugly, uh, um, somebody would go, we're interested in that. Yeah. It's uh, fun for me because we're just starting this conversation. And normally this comes up way later in the episode. But for those that have been listening or those are listening for the first time to this episode, at, for those that have been listening, for, as you know, this comes up in every single one of my episodes. The key word there is authenticity. Be your authentic self, no matter what the situation is. Don't try to be what you think other people want you to be. The more you're authentic to, the, to yourself, the more things come to you and are presented to you for that reason. No matter how many no's you get, no matter how many rejections you get, the more you stay authentic to yourself, the universe listens and go, you know what? This is what you deserve right now. I've had this conversation with every single one of my guests, and I love the fact that you're saying it again right now. Um, I mean, listen, it, it, nobody ever really wants to, um, they say they're authentic and, and their authentic self, and they present a part of them or whatever. And I learned this early on, uh, uh, and uh, it's the famous um, sticks and stones may break your bones, but mm -hmm. names will never hurt. Um, I think two years in, I realized there's not a single name that anyone can say to me, about me, um, behind me, whatever, that would ever 
harm me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw a stick, you can throw a stone and we'll get hurt. But if I'm going to, uh, uh, react or attack after every single name that's been thrown or done, mm-hmm. then I'm not true to the person that I'm trying to be. And, and again, it went in and out like a roller coaster with me of, should I act this way? Should I act that way? But I had to listen to it, uh, which is why I thrive today when I said, what is wrong with the negative comments somebody says to you, hmm. you know? Let them say what they got to say and then keep it pushing. I mean, right. I, 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 don't, I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to be with them. If I need to work with them, let's get through it and let's move on. But, um, and I use my experience in the past because so many people say, have you always been like this? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no unfortunate. I'm the exact same way. A lot of my friends are like, you have not changed. I'm like, why do I need to change if I know who I've been for so long? It's there's not there's, there's not to say that we haven't grown in our person and as as we've matured, but I don't feel I need to change who I am because I've realized, as you said, through all of these names, through all these monikers, through all of these expectations of what I'm supposed to be, who I am at the core. And then also on the opposite side of that, one of my friends, we had this uh, st- we had this saying when we we're high school, if you have to say it, then you're not. If, and it's and it was like uh, real authentic cheese. If you have to say you're authentic cheese, you're not. Right. Real authentic Italian food. You just say you're Italian food, dude. You don't have to. If if you have to brag about it, you're not it. That's so true. Well, I mean, it. Whoever that friend was, it was said well. I mean, again, with the way we blurt things, even to this day, uh, I just say, you know. I'm always always told the truth is not what somebody always wants to hear. And I'm not always trying to say the truth, but I am trying to say what it is. I mean, my family, and I use my family as a perfect example, uh, my, uh, my siblings, is hmm. when people say things to us and they're trying to, um, I'm just going to use the word be bad to us. Mm-hmm. I don't want to find, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you choose to listen and hear what they have to say but are they ready for the words that I'm about to say back? And, and, and even if those <laughs> words are positive, negative, wrong, or anything, it's odd that my family, and I'm using my family example, when we listen and take what they say, why do we come back and it cuts like a knife? And, and why are the words that we say now more hurtful than what you just said? Or is it because we got to the core of what it is? And, 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 and the funny thing about talking about that is that's, that's our entertainment industry. <laughs> that's yeah. our, uh, our, our boundaries, our world, our, the way people uh, perceive. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with getting in your feels once in a while and being like, God, I'm upset or I'm saddened or um, that wasn't cool. I didn't understand that or wasn't aware, but I'm not going to harbor it. I'm not going to be that guy uh, that, um, at one time harbored a couple things and then didn't know what to do with it. The good thing, it was never retaliated and it was never a grudge. Mm-hmm. It was in one ear out the other and peace out, you know? And that's why my, my, <laughs> can't even believe I'm saying this out loud because I always say it, but my slogan is keep it moving. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, got it. Good. Keep it moving. Uh, don't, don't like it. Keep it moving. Got a new job. Keep it moving. You didn't hire me. Keep it moving. You know? And this is why we're friends because <laughs> like, that's, that's how it is. My thing is your loss, not mine. 
That's it. You didn't hire me for the job. Your loss, not mine. You don't want to hear the truth. Your loss, not mine. Uh, you're upset about something. It, your loss, not mine. My life continues on no matter what. And it's again, it's not to uh, belittle anybody else or their emotions or what they're feeling or anything, but I can't stop my life just because you are having a moment yourself. As Tony just said, we gonna keep it moving. <laughs> Let's let's take it back a little bit, um, because you said you moved to L.A. As Beyonce says, "Shorty, where are you from?" <laughs> so I'm from the Bay Area. <laughs> so I do huh? I do stupid shit like that all the time. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. I love it. I'm originally from the Bay Area, NorCal. So uh, how is everybody I'll, from the Bay? I was just talking to Super Dave, and he's from the Bay. My buddy I, Damon Frost here is from the Bay. Like. What's, what was happening? East Bay. I, I was outside, uh, right outside Oakland, uh, um, Walnut Creek, Concord. Yep. Um, so where I go for the holidays, where, where I travel and visit and all that stuff. So uh, it was, you know, there wasn't a lot to do up there. Uh, you got all four seasons. You know, you got mm-hmm. to you got to live like, hey, I see rain, autumn, sun, leaves, all that stuff. And now I'm in L.A. and you got heat. <laughs> um, so... I come from a town where, you know, I, I, listen, I didn't even know I wanted to be a dancer, choreographer, whatever. It just was, um, scapegoating, getting out of, getting out of doing things that you didn't want to do. I didn't want to go, uh, run the six minute run, Mm -hmm. but then I saw girls and guys going into a room, jumping up and down dancing, you know, and you you know, they had opportunities and all that kind of stuff. So I come from a town where, uh, I don't want to say that there was arts, but um, uh, there was a lot of talent uh, around us, um, you know, and uh, I grew up in the same area where Perry McKissack, Pebbles, mm-hmm. she sang a song called Mercedes, as you know. And Do you want to uh, ride in my Mercedes, boy, ride, tell me what you're going to do. Sorry. Yeah, do that too we, as well. we, we got great people from coming up there. I mean, you know what, um, uh, my friends, you know, uh, and acquaintances, but it was not a place where you could thrive. And it was either LA, uh, or at least told to me, it was either LA or New York and LA bound. I went, you have brothers and sisters. How many? There was six of us. Now there's five, uh, one, uh, passed on, but, uh, How there's four boys. Condolences. Thank you, boss. Uh, four boys and two girls. Mm-hmm. Where do you fit in the order? Number four. Number four. Did you have a huge family dynamic? Cause you said there wasn't a lot to do. And you used your family as an example of how you related stuff. So did you have a huge family dynamic? We did. Every Sunday was grandma, grandpa, Lola, Lola, um, and every single relative in a one-bedroom apartment. And that was like 60 people. Oof. And, <laughs> and, and that was pretty much until I moved. Mm-hmm. I mean, every Sunday it was a given. It was a, There was no ifs, ands, or buts. You had to be with the family. And if you missed... It had to be pretty important to miss or the heads of the family, my dad, my mom, whoever, or my cousin's mom and dad would be pretty much upset that we were not there. And uh, until we all got into, I want to say when we were like, each one of us was 20 or older, Mm -hmm. uh, per se, um, when we were able to be like, yeah, we're not coming. (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, we're not going but then those are the precious moments because slowly those older 
aunts and uncles mm. and people were leaving the earth. earth and yeah. um, you just didn't realize that while you're trying to be the youngster, trying to do this, that, and everything else. Mm. So, so is your family still in Walnut Creek area? Are you spread out now? We are a little spread out, but I am NorCal most, mm. um, w- uh, one in Rhode Island and, um, a couple of them getting ready to move to the East coast now from the Bay area, uh, to see what happens. They mm. all asked if I was ever coming back and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> and, and, and not, not, be, not because I don't want to go uh, see them or anything, but because there's just the opportunities for what I still see for me mm-hmm. um, in my eyes are, you know, are, are still invested here in this town yeah. of where it's supposed to be. So, you know, even, even when people say, did you dance when you were younger? I didn't really dance in the sense of, I just know when music came on, I moved. I mean, I watched um, Soul Train. I watched American Bandstand. I mimicked the moves. I stole the ideas. Um, you know, I watched Dance Party USA, you know, uh, uh, things that had people dancing on the floor and then just wondering why that wasn't in our area mm-hmm. uh, and all that stuff. So you were always looking or, or, or at least I was always looking or searching. I mean, my, my dad grew us up on musicals. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no... There was a Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, Shirley Temple, mm. uh, Judy Garland, um, you name it. We all, we, we had family nights. We, you know, I think I saw Wizard of Oz a hundred million times. I don't know. That's exaggeration. <laughs> uh, as, as well as Ten Commandments, you know, uh, uh, for it to go. But, you know, uh, uh, each one of us took something away from what our uh, uh, father gave to us. But... Um, I took the the movement and the the musicality of it and said it was time to move on. I didn't say keep it moving back then, though. <laughs> but as you said, you need to move on. That was the beginning of keep it moving. Yes, sir. Do uh, are any of your siblings in any branch or area of the entertainment industry? Seeing that your dad played music and musicals all the time. No, we we all tried to sing at once. But, um, and we were all in choir, but, uh, no, uh, but, he, and, <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, 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 they all say they want to move. I mean, I literally just got a TikTok from, um, my niece as uh, she's 21, just, just last night of, uh, a 75 year old, uh, man, um, grooving in his room and mm-hmm. he was grooving and being him. And she sent it and she goes, I think this is going to be you in the next 25 years. And I, I sent her a picture back saying, that's awesome. Um, he's doing his thing, and mine's going to be a little more flyer. Ooh, <laughs> level up. <laughs> so they all laughed and sent, you know, all the little emoji things. And I was just like, I thought it was pretty funny that she said that. I was like, you better watch it. I can yeah. still groove a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so... You didn't grow up dancing, and you said uh, middle high school-ish, getting out of the six-minute mile run test. used to hate that thing as well. It was an escape from that. How, what was your, what What was the actual foray into dance? Because, of course, as a kid, you can just be like, I'm just going to do this, and I go to this class, I'm just going to flutter dot around, not really get into it. Well, I went, I went to the class, kind of like not really getting into it, and then I realized that... Um, and this is high school, um, uh, that 
all the guys that were on there were the first string football players who were told that they had to take dance. Oh. Um, and that's because a, a school closed nearby that then brought that to us. Mm-hmm. And then um, the girls were like cheerleaders, dancers, whoever was in that class. And then uh, I came running in trying to act like play the music. They would stretch. They would wear uh, jazz pants and leg warmers and everything that you would. And I would come in in sneakers and shorts and they would ask me to change. And I'd be like, I'm good. Uh, I- I'm going to rock my corduroy shorts and, <laughs> and, and, and do what I got to do up here. And um, they would all stretch. And my teacher, Nancy Christensen, God bless her soul, because she's not here. And I just started lo- lo- locating her and come to find out she's passed on. But um, she's like, I need you to stretch. I need you to be invested in the class. I just can't turn the music on. And then you join in on across the floor. And I go, yeah, I stretched before I got here. She's all like, yeah, that's not how it works, you know, to you, for you to get a grade. So it was very, very hard for me, even in taking dance class around the area, even mm-hmm. when she suggested me to go to Contra Costa Ballet and, and to uh, really focus on something. I didn't want to wear tights. I didn't want to wear mm-hmm. ballet slippers. I didn't want to stretch. Uh, I'm not limber still to this day, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't want to do any of those Bro, things. I've seen I you just, do a toe touch. I've seen you do a toe touch on set, and I'd like, just don't tell me you're not limber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can get up there anymore, but I did. <laughs> uh, um, but I, uh, uh, I just that was the step into the world. That teacher uh, kind of uh, molded me into following directions, listening, and seeing what the outcome can be. Mm-hmm. Um, follow through. And, uh, this is, uh, the beauty of what your hard work can do for you. Uh, it wasn't about a grade anymore. It was about, um, the art of, Mm. uh, not just performing, but the art of delivering the art of executing the art of, um, seeing things. And she loved the fact that, uh, I would stand off on the side and see what they would do and not do it exactly like them, but unlike the, the 10, 12 guys that were there um, who were rhythmically not all put together, mm-hmm. I, had, I was the one who had the rhythm, who was on count, who, uh, who um, did their jazz walks across the floor <laughs> on, on the 1, 2, 3, 4, and on, on the 7, 12, 19, 21, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, and all that kind of stuff. And, and she saw that. And, you know, the sad thing is I got kicked out of school eventually. And um, I got kicked out for many reasons that shouldn't have happened. And um, because of her and because of her belief in me, she always put on a production at the end of the year. And um, uh, I don't even know how she really did it, but she fought for me. I went to the mean school or the bad school or mm-hmm. I ended up going to the school where bad people who get kicked out go. Uh, it was called Olympic High School. There, I was trying to remember the name. <laughs> um, and uh, she somehow was able to get me back in by saying that I was an important and that if she kind of guided me and canc- canceled me, um, which I didn't really need counseling, I just got in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she got me back my senior year and I did modern dance like nobody's business. Wow. And, um, and, and those guys in the first year, uh, they I, I'll never forget, they cornered me on top of the stage and said, listen, if you're here for the women and you're here just to pick up on a girl 
and you're here just to be scandalous, which is another lovely word I like to use. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to see it. We'll probably beat your ass and we're going to get you out of this class. And then I, I, I was already going to nightclubs with my older brothers and mm -hmm. their girlfriends. And I was sneaking in to nightclubs and I, I, we did a, God, I can't even remember. It, we can call it salsa. We, swing. Let's just call it swing dancing. Okay. A version of swing salsa. And um, my brother's girlfriend and I uh, went to a competition down the street that just happened to be there while I was in that dance class. And we took third place. But the, they flew first, second, third to Magic Mountain to the big contest. And I made it in the sports sections of our newspaper. And it was a the full page of uh, half... It's a full page, but half of it was uh, me and her holding hands, partner dancing, and it said a local local high school student takes third place on the way to uh, Magic Mountain. And when my class saw that, everybody we just all became friends. Uh, they were all like, "Oh, he's invested," but you know, it was a completely different style of dance. Yeah, you know. And but they said, "Oh, he's not here just for this, that, or the other." Mm -hmm. So I just became that guy that, you know, I would watch the dancers and they would do a move and I'd go, uh-uh. And they'd go, what do you mean, uh-uh? She just taught that. And I'd go, uh-uh. Doesn't look good. <laughs> and then I would just start changing. The cheerleading girls would come in and they would be going over their routines and uh, they would say, uh, Tony, please don't bug us. And i go, well, you're like on top of each other if you open up a little bit more and you stand like this. And they go, you don't know what you're saying and doing. Just go stand over there. And then... <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget the uh, the one girl, Deneen, coming up to me and saying, um, can you tell me again what you said? Uh, and so I told her. Um, she ended up becoming my girlfriend, but but I did tell her, and it became a formation. Mm -hmm. And um, in dance class, I was just saying whatever I wanted to say, acting like I knew what I was doing, but I was being taught by the beautiful Nancy Christensen. Mm -hmm. So that's where I jumped into that whole dance uh, business, uh, all stuff where I fell in love of dance, uh, where I used the little lunch breaks that we used to do when they used mm -hmm. to play music during lunch and they, you would just freestyle. Mm -hmm. Everybody would be like, uh, Tony, boogie nights, go freestyle. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, go freestyle. But you just danced because you wanted to dance. You didn't dance because you were trying to get anything. Right. I danced, I enjoyed it, and I, and I loved it. Um, didn't know what I was jumping into <laughs> when I came to L.A., but it was cuckoo. There's so much to unwrap in that high school story that you just said. I'm going to I'm going to try and rewind. So last thing you said, you would see stuff and you would fix it and you would just be talking about even though you didn't know what you're talking about. You had an you had a obviously a natural eye for it. You had an eye for it cuz a lot of your uh now like your choreography that you do with uh like a lot of even with you doing the commercial stuff, it's all about formations. It's a lot of a lot of the movement sequences that you do are about patterns, and they're so intricately uh, organized. I'll say so. Little did you know, you had a natural eye for the symmetry for the for movement like that. Um, going back another level, this teacher, uh, Miss Nancy, she saw this in you, even through your rebellion of it, that. You standing on the side and just watching and then doing it with like with a slight variance or something. Again, that's a that's a high level. As you know, that's a high level performance skill where you can you can visually take it in. 
and process the movement and then bring it back out. And not necessarily that it's perfect or anything, but where most people struggle to perfect it, you were just like, no, it's this, and I'm going to do it this way. So again, even though you're rebelling against doing all of this uh, dance stuff, you're still levels above all the dance stuff. And then are you trying to tell me that you were a rebellious little, little something in high school that you, not that you were a troublemaker, but you had a little, you weren't always this little sweet, energetic guy that you, uh, that you are. <laughs> I was trying to fit in. I was just fitting in with the little clumps of groups of people of energy that was going here and there, you mm-hmm. know, not, not trying to be Mr. Personality, but Mr. Get Along. Mm-hmm. So that you you just didn't have to deal with any BS or you know when you pick up on, when you pick on that person I was the person to jump in you know mm-hmm. or when you're getting stoned in the back of the room you're getting stoned or when everyone says let's go inside this room and steal two candy bars at at class we all run and steal two candy bars you know uh. I was just trying to fit in but you said something. A uh, beautiful uh, of recapping of what I said is, uh, you know, I'm a good choreographer. I don't say I'm a great choreographer. I don't say I'm a better choreographer mm-hmm. um, because the skills that I have that I know that make me uh, above and beyond other people are the skills that I've told myself. And one of them is um, I see a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I don't see dance and I don't hear music and I don't see moves. And I use my early age uh, of learning of, I just saw, I see, um, patterns, pictures. Mm -hmm. I see, uh, um, waves and I see, uh, um, light. And that's what I saw when I saw those people. And it's weird because I still see it today. And where some people say, gosh, you're still going and doing. And when I hear, gosh, you're still going and doing, I'm like, Am I supposed to be done? Am I, <laughs> you know, where, where am I going? And, you know, you said some people like me would second guess sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but creatively, um, when I walk down the street, I see traffic and not cars. Mm-hmm. I see traffic and everyone's all like, that makes no sense. I go, it wouldn't because you don't see through my eyes. You're a visual artist. Yeah. And, and, and I, and, and I saw that then and, um, It's one of the most grateful things. This is why I miss Nancy, and I'm sad that I didn't get a chance to her, is that she has no clue that she opened that world to me. Hmm. My father nourished me through it, and she opened that world to me and told me never to give up, no matter what it was, uh, knowing that she brought me back from being expelled from school, and then to carry on. I mean, it was the most important thing for me to do. Because the next journey that came right after that was randomly another, like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to get into that randomly, what the hell just happened. But let's go back to uh, your trip to Disney, to Magic uh, Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain. How did, you, how did you fare in the competition there? There were 12, uh, re- not couples, 12 different styles of routine. Um, we took fifth, so wow. we didn't, we, we went from third, we took fifth. Um, but it was also the first time, uh, not being in class and not being, knowing that you can do modern dance and knowing that you can have, uh, 
production pieces and uh, recital pieces and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that I got to see other couples dance in other styles. It was the first time that I got to see uh, the journey of uh, a trio, the journey of, uh, and when I say first time, I'm talking about, we did solos, duets, and trios in modern dance in high school. Mm-hmm. But at this competition, I got to see people outside of my high school and see people be, from other towns like, I never mm. seen that flavor before. I've never seen that movement done before. I've never seen whatever. And we had people from Louisiana that came with a Cajun. I'm calling it Cajun because that's what they called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a Cajun vibe that I was like, okay, that's on fire. You know, I saw salsa from a couple that I think was a little bit ahead of what we see today. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to say back then. But, but you know, I saw things there. And then, you know, I was like, gosh, we could have done this. We could have been more playful. I mean, the woulda, coulda, shoulda isn't important anymore. But for me at that time, we danced. Mm-hmm. We didn't do tricks. We didn't do uh, comedy. We didn't do acting. We didn't infuse uh, level changes. We didn't do all the things that I was still combining into my world. Mm-hmm. Um we did two minutes of let's go under my arm, flip you over, over my shoulder, uh, you know, whatever it was. And it was just straight two minutes dance, not even a break, not even a little, uh, a little feel good where you can just reach for one, two, three, four and come back. It was on beat on the eight count. Let's go. We did our dance. We were tired as hell. And we walked off. <laughs> <laughs> So if you if you were doing modern dance in high school, how did you and your brother's girlfriend get into this swing salsa style? Where did that come from? You said you were clubbing, but it was the disco type vibe style that uh, was going okay. on. And they had already all done that. I, I can't even believe I can't even remember the name of what I want to call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, and I and I was only two months into the modern dance and, you know, uh, of getting into the class. Uh, and then um, going and doing this competition and doing whatever. I mean, look, we were uh, 15 going into 18-year-old clubs and 21-year-old clubs. We were going to uh, 9th and Howard in San Francisco and going to the underground and walking in with 20 people so nobody would have to really check your ID. And, you know, and, 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 and also my brothers and sisters would have to babysit us. And so they knew if they took us, they were there with you. Right. What's the problem? All right. So, you you know, you're out and about. So, but we took fifth place there. Nice. It's, it's interesting because with a lot of, uh, with a lot of my guests on the show, it seems like every single one of you, the universe already had a plan like without you being either without you knowing it or with you going being where you needed to be at the right time with the right people as much as specifically now talking about you tone uh as much as you rebelled from dance to begin with it's actually what got you out of the test that attracted you to it and where you are now in the rest of your life and then, like you're saying, like you were just going to the clubs, you were doing this uh, disco style, and then you end up going to a comp. You took third, and then going to a quote unquote national competition, taking fifth. Who would have known that after two months of rejecting this in high school, uh, rejecting this class, that you would have been quote unquote on this professional level competing 
at this point from something that you never wanted to do in the first place and that you could just visually take in and take to the next level within yourself. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's really when you think about it and see it, but it's funny that you just said as a rebellious, uh, and I'm jumping too much, but yeah, no, um, no, no, go that, that rebelliousness. I tried to, when I came to LA and tried to do my LA journey, um, wasn't accepted very well because Doug Caldwell, uh, was like, and Roland Dupre was mm-hmm. like, you're not going to sit in the corner and not stretch and not follow through. You're going <laughs> to do, do every single thing we do in this class. And if you don't want to do it, there's the door, you know? And so it worked in those days. It, even though I was like, listen, if it worked, then why, why don't, why would I try something different? You know, <laughs> I went, I, I, I went to try to do it in LA and uh, it was like, you got to go. And e- even though I tried to get a Tremaine scholarship, I didn't, but I got a Roland Dupre scholarship instead. Um, I, you know, and danced on third street. And then I went and danced at Amora Landis or whatever I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, uh, boy, I mean, Jackie Slight was like, you, you need to pay attention. You need to stretch. You need to go across the floor. You need to do the dance class or again, get the step. Keep it moving. <laughs> Keep it moving. Uh, what? So, how soon? How late? How far after high school did you make the trek down to LA? Uh, I. It was, I would say, five years. Was there a track? Because what happened next is, I I started seeing cheerleading and seeing that I could create formations, mm. and um, and I was never a cheerleader, uh, per se. Um, but the girls and my girlfriend were going to a competition called USA United spirit association mm-hmm. and, um, United spirit association was a big organization that, you know, they hired from what I knew choreographers at the time, then Tina Landon and Paula Abdul mm-hmm. and Donna Perkins, um, were all teaching for them. And, uh, so I didn't know that they were big badass choreographers i just knew that they were talented people who worked for this organization mm-hmm. and um and so i met a young lady who worked for them her name was karen stanger and i could have went away to college because i wanted to try to go to college but we didn't have the dinero mm-hmm. so i went to the local um uh, uh, junior college and i saw dance there but i kind of scoped the dance first <laughs> you know i needed to know can I chill in the back? Can I, <laughs> can I, what flavor is this person? And, you know, and I had, I had Karen Stanger, Wanda Martin, Deborah Floyd. I remember them very well because they were the next three that unlike Contra Costa Ballet, who I can't remember my teachers there because they were, they were a little meaner to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other three ladies that I just mentioned right now, they were, they were, uh, they were more engaged in wanting to make us learn and understand. And, you know, we had African, we had hip hop, and then we had jazz. So those were the three classes I took. So I went to there, you know, scoped it out, found out it was the place for me to go, found out there was cheerleaders there again, too, from that junior college that needed help with movement. And I just happened to be the guy. I don't, I just went and followed them and would tell them, no, that didn't look good. And how about you try this? And they're like, what are you, a choreographer? And I was like, no. I go, I, I go. I watch TV. I see movement. I see dan- dance fever. I see solid gold. I see, you know, 
I see all those shows that tell me, you know, what's out there and what's fly. And uh, at least that's what I was telling myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I did all those things. But ultimately, I, I went to a competition with Karen Stanger. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, a, I had an amazing layout. I just want you to hear about this for one second. Mm -hmm. This layout, this layout was on fire. I could reach all the way back. My back was flexible and I could touch, touch the ground with both hands back there, whatever. But my leg would go right here. (laughs) (laughs) So you had everyone's leg here and their back here. And it was like amazing. And I had a back here and my leg right here. You had selective flexibility. <laughs> selective flexibility. And people would be like, uh, uh, and, you know, and fan kicks. Everyone's fan kick would be here and mine would go right there. And so <laughs> they, they, they would go, but the best thing that you did is you did dance and you did choreography and uh, you still yeah. went through the movement and not did it. So we went to a competition for USA. USA then gives you an application if they like you mm-hmm. to come and try out for their organization um to be an instructor not a choreographer an instructor Mm -hmm. and um i got it i told him i wasn't a cheerleader i said i'm a dancer and i see you have dancers and i see you have guys that dance but they go yeah that's a whole process and a whole program you have to be a cheerleader first and i was like i don't even know if that's gonna happen for me because i don't do that long story short i went to a camp where they had a girl step on my calf and jump up to my shoulders and do a calf pop-up is what it's called. Yep. So she, she would step on my calf, put the other foot on my shoulder and just pop up and stand up and she's on my shoulder. Um, I did a couple times and then I was like, she ain't standing on my calf again. She, <laughs> you know, I can, I can lift her and put her on my shoulder and they're like, that's a shoulder sit. And I go, and they go, can you, when she sits down there, put your hands underneath her foot and let her stand up and you go. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm all, uh, can I dance for you? And they're like, yeah, you're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so I was like, okay, whatever. So anyways, I went to the dance camp, the, 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 the camp that we went to. Tina Landon was there. Donna Perkins was there. Paula wasn't there, uh, for that camp. And they picked the top 10 people from the camp. There's like, thousands of people there mm-hmm. and the 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 award is called miss super sensational so i got picked as one of the top 10 and i nine girls and one guy and there was some stuff that happened a little bit prior to this story but this is a significant part to where yeah. my journey goes um they uh said you're in the top 10 i said okay um I just remember doing a triple turn and spotting 12 times. Um, <laughs> I want you to, I want you to visualize that because it was stupid. That's, that's why the pause happened. I was like, how the, uh, okay, get, <laughs> um, I did a toe touch. Um, the first one was, uh, I guess, I don't know, a, a frog jump because my knees were like that. And then I, I, I rebounded because I was embarrassed and then I did a tilt and, and then I did the troop, you know, got, went, went into the troop and then I went back in my line and then I watched these girls like dance, turn, leap, 
tumble, jump, flip. I mean, one after the other. And I was just like, gone, mamas. Y'all look good. Y'all are killing the game. And I said, and I went out and I gave you uh, a running man, Roger Rabbit, uh, frog jumps. I was like, you know, whatever I can give. And then they tell us to turn to the back and they're about to announce the people. And then the staff of 15 um, guys and girls get to pick their winner. Um, I don't know how many true votes I got. Supposedly I got 10 of the 15. Um, but they then put a gold thing over my neck and they give me a sweatshirt and everyone screams. And I won Miss Super Sensation. <laughs> and, and they had never had that in the 15 years that they had already been doing this. And, um, and it's probably even longer than that. But uh, the, uh, so after I won it, they had to change the name to Star Dancer. And to this day, that organization still has Star Dancer. And uh, because um, a guy, I think I'm the only guy that's ever won it. So, Dude, legendary. <laughs> I don't know. Legendary. legendary here. I mean, people, people will probably say that in there. I don't. And if there is anybody else, I just, maybe I didn't hear it because it wasn't Miss Super Sensational, but it was a big deal that a guy won Miss Super Sensational. You were the and they first, bro. They had, they had to change it. And then my next job after that, because Paula started blowing up was to go try to, to go try to be fly with Paula and uh, the Laker girls. And that was kind of the journey. And what I kind of skipped out in that little whole thing, because that's a more significant part. Mm -hmm. When I was trying to be a cheerleader, I, it happened two or three times and I didn't get anything. I didn't get any recognition from it. But what they did remember is when that company would come to San Francisco and they would do the black and white ball out in San Francisco uh, with the Warriors or whoever was the uh, uh, team that they were going to be choreographing for, um, I did the black and white ball and performed in the streets of San Francisco. And then I did West Side Story, um, uh, Live in America. Or I think it was Live in America um, for a halftime routine for the Warriors game because of them. So they always knew to come out to me to get me as a dancer, mm. but not as a cheerleader. And because of those moments that led me to that camp that then got me to become Miss Super Sensation. Your your serendipitous trajectory into this, like you didn't even want to do this, you didn't even want to be a cheerleader, like you didn't, like, and all of a sudden you're winning Miss Superstar Sensational and getting recognition <laughs> and all that. Like, dude, how it is absolutely so. Now, quick question: you you mentioned before that there is some. I'm not sure if you said it was random stuff that happened or some out. You, you said something that something else happened. I was like, we're going to come back to that. Is this part of that? Yeah, it's all, it's all part of it. It all okay. kind of interweaves to it. Um, the only other thing that kind of led into that is that I, I tried and I'm using the word tried because I'm, I'm just, I was just not a good technician mm -hmm. in, in, at that time. Um, so I was going, and the reason why I said Contra Costa Ballet is that I was going to Contra Costa Ballet, and then I was going to Odyssey, a dance studio in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to probably say this dance troupe wrong. Uh, Palobolus or Palobolus? Palobolus. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I say it wrong. Uh, a lot of their people came from this dance studio and at that time. So I was taking myself 
to dance classes, to try to open my eyes up to what other people were saying I needed to do. And uh, it wasn't really becoming, you know, I wanted to be that guy in high school, you know, mm. just try to do that. And these dance classes, it was hard because one, you're paying for it and right. you want to get what you paid for. You just don't want to go in there and all that stuff. So that then led again to the junior college stuff that then led into the cheerleading stuff and the competition. So I had that little randomness of just understanding dance more or trying to see what these artists were. Cause I never saw myself as a dancer mm -hmm. or an artist. I really saw myself as a mover mm -hmm. and I was a mover because I could watch you do it maybe once or twice and I could attain it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to be standing next to you and I didn't have to be in the group to learn it. I could learn it from afar and deliver it. I wasn't a hundred percent, but I was 90%. And, um, and these individuals were trying to make me a dancer. And, um, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know if I was a dancer, a choreographer, a performer, uh, this, that, or, or, or the other. And, you know, and right before going to camp uh, and getting that Miss Super Sensational, Karen Stanger, the jazz teacher at the junior college, said, I am choreographing a chorus line for the play here. Mm -hmm. And she goes, and I would love you to audition. And I said, I'm not a singer. I can carry a tune. And I'm not a jazz dancer. I'm not a tapper. I'm not, you know, and she's all, you are a jazz dancer. That's why you're in my class. She goes, and, and you can do all these things. And she goes, I would like you to audition for Mike. And oh. I go, I was like, you want me to audition for I'm watching Cisco Pitter Pat? And she said, yes. I go, but I don't tap. She goes, I will teach you tapping and I will make it fit you as a mover. So we don't have to do tap steps. They can be um, Afro. They can be uh, Latin. They can be jazzed up. They can be whatever I decide I want it to be for Chorus Line. And I was like... Okay, so I auditioned, and there was only three of us that I auditioned, and um, it wasn't like a hard audition. It was just a bunch of movement that I was like, I'm going to do these moves. And um, I did the moves, and we did 12 shows. <laughs> Again, you, you didn't even want to do it. <laughs> but the world, the universe had other plans for you, just so you know you were going to do this and you're going to do it for the rest of your life and you're going to be happy with it, whether or not you know this is your choice. That is right. that is amazing that, again, another teacher saw this in you and saw what you could develop as, as well as what you said is that you started paying for these classes just to a very mature decision to absorb and, absorb and be in what everybody else was saying you needed. It's that that takes a lot of maturity and strength and self. What's what I'm looking for? Self uh, awareness hmm. to openly put yourself into that situation without really wanting to do it. Like not having this as a driving passion, but it's dictating your life. It is not dict. It's leading your life. I should say. It's you know. It's funny because it's all the things I said I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that led to stuff that I ended up doing. Um, but I always tried to go back to, as I said, when I jumped forward to Doug Caldwell and Jackie Slight, yeah. but I always tried to go back to what was comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. You know, what was, uh, 
what my teacher Nancy allowed me to do. She just let me, she nourished me, even though she didn't like me standing in the back of the room and waiting for the last minute. But she allowed that stuff because she found ways to pull other things from me. And even though I was trying to be self-aware of other ways to be mature about stuff, I always regressed back to, let me just go stand in the back of the room. Yeah. Or, or how about let me be the last person to go across the floor? You, you know, something funny is I used to think the last person to cross the floor was a safety net for me, but it's not because everybody else gets to watch you be the last person to go across right. the floor. That's what I try and tell people all the time. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I, and I use that now and I use, I use all that stuff. You know why I'm also, I don't cast as much anymore, but even though I just casted some commercials just recently in a, mm-hmm. in a movie is, um, my eyes, my visions back then have allowed me to spot mm-hmm. untapped talent, um, people who second guess themselves, people who are not aware or people who, who don't see the bigger picture. Uh, and just recently, again, jumping ahead is this girl uh, that I just work with. I don't even know how to say what her position was. She was a valued assistant. Let's just put it that way. She was good no matter what she did. Mm-hmm. I loved watching her work daily because she was. Uh, she did the same routine. She sat at her desk. She ate a salad every single day. She got up and took her computer and wrapped her earphone and went to different spots. And anytime I needed something from her, she was always good at it. And I remember her coming into my rehearsal and I introduced her to the room, which I didn't think was a big deal. I just introduced her to the room and I said, she's a total sweetheart. She gets the job done. It's called work ethic. That's what I'm all about. And I sat her down and, um, and when we were done doing the piece, I asked her what she thought about it. And she was, you know, hand to her chest. She left that room. I went back to the office to see her and she handed me a piece of paper and I was like, where are you going? And she goes, I walked away. She didn't even say a single thing. I was like, okay. So I opened up the paper and And a quick note that said, I don't know who you are, but you make me feel needed, wanted, and important. You introduced me to a room that all I did was come to see your rehearsal and you made me feel more important than I normally. I am a big girl and I wanted to dance at one time. And my parents told me no. And just in this short time, you have made me feel worthy. I appreciate you for that. So when I ran to her to go give her a hug, she was crying. And and she goes, the reason why I walked away is because I didn't want to cry. And I said, but, okay, I can't ask you why are you crying. Right. I said, I, I, I just want to let you know that we're all important in many different shapes and forms. And she goes, no, you have treated me with kindness. And I go, no, I've been a dick. And she goes, no, you have treated me with kindness and you've allowed me to see that I miss dance and I love dance. And even though you haven't had me do any dance, she goes, you put me in their space by inviting me and introducing me and sharing with me and asking me what I thought. And she goes, and those things are things that back then, my nourishing teacher to where I am now is um, it's, it's hard on this road that I've been on in the sense that my mind jumps so many, many times, but I see one thing only is I hear the word no, but I see the picture. Yes. Mm. So when people say no, or they pass or they move, I need people to find other obstacles, obstacles, 
cracks in the uh, in the wall visions of how you see it differently or you're going to get caught into what other people think you should be doing and i use a lot of what i did back then um of why i'm still helpful of why i'm still uh, uh caring and um i don't ever use the word humble because i find myself not being too empathetic at times because i want to just be a drill sergeant you know and just say if you just do you just do but I did find out something, again, jumping ahead yesterday, that that I, I stand by one million percent why I'm a good choreographer is my work ethic mm-hmm. and my work, work ethic only. But yesterday I was challenged and, um, and another learning curve that mm-hmm. uh, some people don't see work ethic. Some people see um, the click of being that high school, what uh, we tried to, what, what we, the fit in. Yeah. If you fit in with this group, then that is the work ethic. Mm-hmm. But if this group you're not fitting in with and you're this work ethic here, you're taking energy away from this. So uh, my work ethic was challenged. And um, uh, old school me would have been all sad, sad, feel, feel for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But I was like, and this too shall pass. Yeah. So. So, you know, and, and I use that from everything that I saw back then to where I do now. And, and when people, like I said earlier on, I've been the same way since day one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just older. <laughs> Timeless still. Yeah. But it's also very interesting because it's sort of it's sort of the tale of the past coming back to the present and future that. Uh, Miss Nancy, and I believe her name was Miss Karen, these two female teachers that saw this potential in you, that's what you're doing now. You, you, you are able to see beyond the surface level of what someone's presenting and see mm-hmm. the potential and draw that out of them, whether it's uh, like this young assistant, her passion and desire there, or if it's in a choreo or a movement sequence, but Again, I've mentioned, I've said this a couple of times, you're a visual, you're a visual artist, but it's also you've, uh, your teachers have, it's, it's sort of like Harry Potter (laughs) where like Dumbledore, like has his memories and stuff, but like, it's sort of like your teachers have sort of put this little light and spark in you of them so that they're always with you. And you are now doing, you're now paying that to the next generation's. And keeping that going, because again, as this young uh, lady said, no, you you've given you've given her the opportunity to see this stuff, and now you've instilled that in her that she's going to pay that for it as well. So it just keeps coming around, and it's again being your authentic self. You just being able to see and recognize people, and not trying to do it, not trying to make her feel better or worse or anything. You're just like. When I ask you to do something, she does it. That's, I appreciate that. I see that. And for someone who doesn't get that in their life, it's a mountain. So I don't. Want, I know you don't want to hear this, but kudos to you, man, for being so rawly passionate without even knowing that you're doing it. It's just sub, it's second nature for you. Well, I appreciate that. And and you just said a word <laughs> uh, a couple of days ago on a job uh, that I finished. Uh, the director said, uh, you are so passionate. And I go, I am not. He goes, you are. I see the steam coming out of your eyes, your head, your <laughs> energy. He goes, he goes, you haven't sat down once. And I go, and I literally looked at him and I said, why does everyone say I'm so passionate? And he goes, 
Why don't you think you are? The reality is I know I'm, I have true passion for what I do. I love it, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. The, the, the person in me is like, you, you want me to tell you what my passion is? My passion is hire me again. How about that? <laughs> and, 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 and that's my passion. But you said something beautifully is uh, Nancy and Karen um, mm-hmm. and USA. Those are the three, three Nancy, Karen and USA, the company mm-hmm. um, are the three people that when I see these people, obviously Nancy's not around anymore. But mm-hmm. when I talk to the people of USA, when I see Paula and I tell Paula what she did for me and mm-hmm. Tina and all these other people, um, I'm honored and blessed to know that I have a, been able to teach, guide, instill. I, I, I'm not a person that, look at me, here's this, here's that. Um, I will say one time there was, and I'll tell you that really mm-hmm. quickly, but I, those are the three things that have allowed me to stay passionate mm-hmm. and be passionate about the things that I do. Um, Nancy Christensen, for sure. Uh, Karen Stanger was the next level. Uh, and then USA in whole, all the people I met through there, all the students I've got to teach, all the people I've guided has helped me continue to have a vision, to be visual, to see a bigger picture, uh, to inspire, to, um, to conquer, to achieve, you know, uh, what I do out here. And, um, you know, I think about it. I do say them in my prayers, um, Mm -hmm. at nighttime and all that stuff. And when I run into the USA family, it's hard for them to understand that when I don't see them for five years, that I have so much gratitude for what they've instilled into me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I see them think that I'm just saying it to say it, but I stand true to that. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for a Nancy, Karen, and the USA family, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and for one of the biggest people from the USA, Diane Alexander, who I just want to tell you this story quickly that that's funny is that I used to, when I won Miss Super Sensational, I used to choreograph things, and then I would run to this Diane Alexander. Um, you know, Paula left to go start doing, you know, Paula. And I would run and say, uh, you want to see the choreography? And she would be like, calm down, buddy. <laughs> Just, you, know, you, you know, and we'd be at, at a group function, and I'd run up uh, to the head clippers person and uh, Diane was the head choreographer of the Laker girls. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, you want to see the choreography? And everyone's all like, okay, not now. And, uh, and then at that same time, they opened up the dance world that boys can go after mm-hmm. me winning. I didn't have to be a cheerleader. I can audition as a dancer to become a teacher. Yeah. So I took that choreography that I kept saying, you want to see the choreography, got the dancer side of teaching, um, went to Diane and said, please just let you, come on. And everyone would give me so much flack that I would walk in a room and go, you want to see the choreography? <laughs> <laughs> and I literally said that. And uh, I would show the choreography and Diane hired me to choreograph the Laker girls. And, and so that was my track into, you know, NBA, NFL world into uh, getting an agent, even though Julie McDonald told me I was short, ugly, not handsome enough, not in shape. Uh, Teresa Taylor told me, uh, unfortunately, she didn't have a market for me, um, you know, and, you know, these agencies told me I didn't have it, you, this, that or the other. But, um, you know, thank God there was Tremaine and thank God there was Roland Dupre and people in there saw me for what I was and what I was doing because uh, I eventually moved to L.A. from NorCal, um, took the final jump 
and you know did the big uh, scoop but i did leave out one thing because mm-hmm. i gotta tell you as a friend yeah karen Karen said, I know you're working at Costco and I know you haven't moved to LA yet. And I know not all the big things are happening, even though slow things are happening with you. She goes, I need to know if you can come to um, Australia uh, to dance for the World Expo. And I said, as what? And she goes, as Team USA. I have been asked to choreograph Team USA, uh, which I'm calling it. And she goes, problem is you would have to uh, pay $2,500 and you would have to get, you know, stay with host families and this is the way it works. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, my family doesn't have that. And I got a job at Costco and I'm golden and, you know, I can't, I can't get out of this. And she goes, well, you just see what you can do. She goes, because I will take you as one of my five men and I'm taking 15 women. And, um, and I said, okay. I said, we'll see what happens. I went to Costco to my manager and told Norm that I had a career opportunity to go to Australia and do something. And he goes, how much is it? I goes, 25, but I don't think I can do it. And, I, and I'm working and I would have to miss a month of work and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why that man at that time did it, but he was uh, the manager of Costco and Martinez and uh, he sponsored me $2,500. And, and, and I went to Australia to dance for Karen at the World Expo, 1988. The World had a plan. The universe had a plan for you, my friend. Yeah, you keep saying that. I, I, <laughs> the universe had a plan for you to be where you are today. And by any means it was happening, whoever was in your place, whoever was, who, whoever was in your presence that needed to be there to help you along your way is who you were introduced to at that point. I see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, and it's a and it's a beautiful thing. The number of opportunities, especially with you, because like I I know a lot of these names that you're saying uh, that gift that has given you rejections of oh you're too short you're you're not handsome enough uh, I don't have a place blah blah blah. Am I not mistaken? For the office, did you not win an award for that choreography? For the office, I got uh, a critic's recognition. Um, I guess you can call it an award, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it was a more of, uh, it was just an episode that was talked about strongly, <laughs> uh, Scott's, Scott's taught. So, but um, still after all those no's, imagine if you listen to that, imagine, imagine, how, okay, let me put it this way. Imagine how many people have gotten those no's and aren't where they could be today because they followed those versus, as you say, keep it moving. Great. Thank you for your information. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to keep it moving. Look at what I'm doing. Because yeah. even, I, even, even I have a number of these stories where had I listened to a number of shit people said to me, part of my, a number of shit people said to me during my time that, and now, and not saying, look at me now, I'm doing this, but it's, I'm in my presence because I listen to myself, not all these other people, even, even in LA. I remember, here's, here's a funny story. Uh, when I first moved to LA, you know, all the agencies have auditions, blah, blah. I remember going to MSA audition and, uh, they liked me. We had a conversation, but they ended up not signing me. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and then fast forward, maybe two or three years, 
Stacy's one of my best friends. She never bothered me. Then when I quit my advertising job, she was like, if you had gone to another agency, I would have killed you. So I'm with Block. I end up doing this Nike Rockstar uh, competition thing. And comically speaking, it was for Nike women, but they had me and a couple other guys. And because I was, I made it to the final, they had to rethink about the judging. And we're like, this is for Nike women? Like we really can't have a guy win. So my friend Pendu won, but at the end of the competition, uh, what's his name? Selznick. Tony Selznick. Tony walks up to me and he's smiling. He's like, Hey, I just, just want to talk. Like you're, you're amazing. I love your stage presence. Uh, like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I just look at him and I laugh and smile. And I go, you know, it's really funny because I know who you are. You're Tony Selznick from MSA. And maybe about a year and a half ago, we introduced each other. Uh, I was at your audition, but you didn't want to take me on in your agency for whatever reason. I'm not upset about it, but unfortunately, I have to, in your face, point you to the left. Those three people standing there, and it was Stacy, Jennifer, and uh, Steve. I was like, Block got me already. So thank you very much. And he just, like, his jaw just dropped. It was like, if anything changes, you know where to come. And in my head, I'm like, but all of a sudden now you think I'm good enough? Because like, again, had I listened to you at that point, I could have totally destroyed my dance career or my entertainment career because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't manly strong enough. I wasn't whatever, whatever it was that could have been a poison to me for what I decided to, or, or what my trajectory was. But your loss, not mine. Keep it moving. Yeah. Look where we are today, yeah. my friend. One hundred percent. And and that's such a beautiful story because it happens to so many of us, and no one really talks about it or shares it or yeah. or 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 wants to even have a couple of moments about it because whether they feel ashamed or embarrassed or whatever, I'm like, listen, every bump in the road got me to where I'm at today, mm-hmm. and 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 I, I love hearing that that. Uh, happened in it and you saw it in the same way that it happened because people say oh that never happened to me or or i'm or i'm unaware of that or you know but it was also different times it's all different different times and all stuff but something i want to say about stacy who i love with all my heart uh she was on a college dance team um competing at nationals when i was choreographing a team that competed against her and so that's our first time uh seeing each other and knowing of each other. So you want to know, you want to know a really weird story saying that we're all so connected. So the way I met Stacy was when I was in college, I was the only guy on my, on my dance team at Drexel. And (laughs) I was at, I was at UDA camp. I was at UDA UCA camp with the dancers and I won all the ribbons and I got all the blue ribbons and stuff. And I moved to LA and Stacy's like, uh, I was, became somehow became like an assistant on the choreography awards. And she was part of the production team and we hit it off. She's like, yeah, but I got to go out of town. I'm uh, judging this competition. I'm like, Oh, what are you judging? She's like, Oh, you know, you said, and I'm like, Oh my God. So in 90, in the summer of 98, you were at Rutgers university in New Jersey and you were with the Ohio state team and you did this. And there was one skinny black guy who was with the team from Philly and her jaw just goes, Oh my God, Gamble, it's you. And so, yeah, I, you met Stacy from uh, cheer. I met Stacy from cheer and look at, (laughs) that is super crazy. It's super small. 
Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I love I love that. I love that story. Uh, good people meet good people. Yeah, that's that's how it happens. And that's why I get to have you here in the show right now. Yay. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I love it. I love it. It's just, you know, I wish that people could today's people mm-hmm. not. And, and I have I love Instagram. I love social media. I love all that stuff. But I wish that today's people would um, have some nice stories about that, that, that they actually met individuals in places that can uh, lift them or guide them or however it was. And they didn't meet them here. Right. You know, and, you know, have stories to tell that uh, they can share or that they can uh, talk about or, or what it might say. I mean, listen, because of this dance world, I got, you know, a Chris Moss, a Brian Anthony, mm-hmm. a Chris, uh, um, Chris Dupree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I met people that I have longevity with that, um, that I kept around that I've, uh, that even to this day are heightened in my, in my career and what I do, um, that I can have conversations with and say, do you remember when? And Mm -hmm. not, uh, and not do you remember when? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I want to back up a little bit as well, uh, because you were saying, you know, these stories, uh, so many people, with us getting no's and rejections, not many people talk about that or quote unquote glorify. They they glorify all the yeses that they got. Like, oh, I did this and this. Uh, I was talking to Melanie Lewis Weibar and uh, she was saying she loves the fact that I'm doing this and having these conversations so that people can understand it's not easy. Like you don't always book the job. You always don't book the audition that you walk into. Yes, some people do are blessed and continuously book, but there are times and periods where they're not working, which is why you don't see them, but no one ever talks about it. We have to give light and lip service to this part of the industry so people know it's not all just ease, fun, and like magic. There you have to, there are times where you question your artistry, you question yourself, you question what other people tell you because we're so subjected. We're, we're subjected on a regular basis to other people's criticism. It's not even constructive criticism. It's subjective criticism of if you're skinny enough, if you're big enough, if you're tall enough, if you're male enough, if you're female enough, if you're hip hop enough, if you're street enough, if you're jazzy enough, it's whatever they decide that you are or not at that moment, that shit sticks with you because you're like, who am I supposed to be at this point until, as both you and I and the rest of my guests always say, until you find out who your authentic self is, you will always try and be this person that to fit in and that to fit in isn't always necessarily the best route for you to go. And as Tony said, him growing up, he was trying to be the fit in guy and it got him into a bunch of different scenarios that weren't the best for him. So un- until he found out who he was and he's like, okay, now I'm settled in and look how much the world opened up for him and myself and the rest of other people as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. As you said it there, um, I, w- I want to uh, go back on two things that helped me with that story that you just said, because it's really encompasses not just our friendship and the people that we meet or what, what I can st- still say that I go through now, but when I auditioned for American Music Awards for Paula Abdul, it was mm-hmm. 1990. It was one of my first big auditions. I was already told no from JHR, Bobby Ball, all that stuff. But I knew that I, I was aware of Paula. I, I, she knew who I was, but it didn't matter. And uh, everybody and their mother was auditioning for that job because she hired 30 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very well-known, iconic dance number uh, piece. Um, but I went... I crashed the audition and I signed in under JHR. Mm-hmm. 
because they told me I had to. And, and I signed in under JHR and I auditioned and I auditioned and I made it all the way to the callbacks and I made it all the way to the first practice rehearsal. Uh, they weren't, they were still trying to book the people, but come to find out I couldn't do a barrel turn into second split or hmm. basically I couldn't do a barrel turn and slide into second. Um, so I was eventually let go. But the story that I'm telling you is that I didn't know I had a callback, two of them, because I signed in under JHR. So I had to be, I had to figure out how to get to find out if I got a callback. And then I called to be somebody else to JHR and they didn't want to take my call. And then I called and I was myself and I asked for Julie. And I remember her telling me, uh, how dare you? Don't you ever write down our name when we do not represent you. Yes, you got a call back, but you are not represented by us and you should never, ever, ever. Well, all I needed to hear was I got a call back. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> I already knew where the callbacks were going to be and I knew what I needed to do and where I needed to go, but I was reprimanded. You know, I tell Julie the story and I try to remind her, she knows, remembers bits and pieces of it. Mm -hmm. But it was a while ago. Um, I didn't get the job, but I wanted people to remember that, you know, you put, got to put the fire. You got to put yourself in the right place at the right time. You got you to engage. You got to use your past. You got to use your present. You got to think in the future. You know, whatever it's going to be. Uh, I was never going to be all those amazing men that were in there. I was also short because Ben, the other Filipino guy that got it instead of me, um, and bless his soul, I guess he's not here anymore. I just recently found out, but um, I had to do what I had to do to mm -hmm. just try to get it. And I remember my circle of people were like, you know, good for you for fighting for that, which then led to Newsies. That then led to everybody, every male dancer in LA got the job, but Chris Dupre, Jason Weibar, um, Dak Eubanks, uh, Brian Friedman, um, and one other person who I all lived with all got the job and I auditioned and I didn't get it. And I had to go through, you know, the, the fight, the hustle. I wasn't the right look. Kenny Ortega, Greg Smith, they were like, um, you're a little too dark. You're too Latin-y. Turn of the century, they didn't have Latin men. And I was like, I'm Italian. They're like, uh, no, your last name is Gonzalez. I go, I'm not even Mexican. You know, just a whole bunch of this and that. Eight auditions later, and I got the job. And, um, you, know, you know, it's like, it's cuckoo crazy, but. <laughs> Dude, one, the fact that there weren't any Latin people in the turn of the century. What the fuck did we just like jump? Did we just, uh, Oh, it's 1801. Now here, now there's a new person. Ah, oh, <laughs> number one, number two, you still went to these auditions eight times after getting a no, after your friends got the job and then you booked the job. That is all because of, all, all because of Bill Holden, William Holden. He kept saying that they're going to keep hiring guys. They need more guys that can dance, more guys. They go, they, and, and the sad part is I was super, super tan. I mean, I used to just go lay out for like an hour just on my back, just so I can be dark as hell. And, <laughs> you, you know, and I could see why they were saying I was a little darker than everybody. Cause I was, and even the pictures and stills that you can find online from Newsies. When you, when you see me, I'm darker than everybody. But mm -hmm. Bill said it best. You look Italian. You don't look a Mexican to me. So, and that eventually his, his uh, push for me 
um, and he had no right to, but he saw my fire and my hunger. Uh, mm-hmm. hunger. Um, he pushed for me, and I got I finally got the role. And Greg Smith, the casting director, finally put, got me on. Dude. And again, it's so honored to be your friend. Just to hear your drive and passion of no's not good enough for me. I know, I know what I'm worthy of. Are y'all listening to this? Are y'all, this is, again, the people you need to know, people you need to know with the stories you want to hear. It actually should be the people you need to know the stories you need to hear as well. But that sounds stupid. But it's, (laughs) pay attention to the words that my people are talking about, y'all. I'm doing this for a reason because I'm even, as as inspired as I am on a regular basis, I am super inspired by this because I can connect to this story so much. There's just been so much of this in my life where, oh, you're going to tell me I can't do something or I'm not going to do something? Watch me. <laughs> oh my God, congratulations. Oh, weren't you the one that said I wasn't going to do it? Oh, funny. <laughs> Bye. It, it, it's, <laughs> listen, it, it's, it's all of them. And during that time and those, you know, I, I live by it to this day. I mean, I'm very passionate uh, about it. Uh, and that's the only time I'll use, like to use that word passionate <laughs> is I, I believe in others more at times than I do in myself, even mm-hmm. though I do believe in myself, but I believe in others because I hear them say, I'm done. I can't. It's over. It's this, it's that. But why is it over? Why are you done? And why can't you? Is it because you let other people tell you? Or is it because you don't see your shining star? You don't see the light that you say you are? I mean, but I see it, but I'm only one person. And then they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're just BS and you're bullshit and you're this and that. I don't know why it has to be bullshit. I don't know why if I see it, why can't you achieve it? You know, why are you not doing things for yourself to better you know, um, anything that you do, you know, there was an audition that I went to, do you know who Jimmy Locus is? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jimmy Locus, I'll never forget this and Paul Thorpe, but I went to a big time capsule audition for Madonna, Prince and Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have an agent again then either, but I just crashed these calls. I showed up in dress shoes, Z Cavarici pants, <laughs> uh, a flannel and a tank top. And I walked into this room with 1,500 dancers. And the first person who saw me was Jimmy Locust. He wasn't even my friend then or acquaintance at all, but he looked at me with his four foot, 11 inch self and went and gave me the up and down and said, you a dancer? And I said, I'm here for the audition. He goes, are you a dancer? And I said, well, I'm here to dance at this audition in that outfit, in that outfit, in dress shoes, Z Cavarici pants. And everybody was in shorts, sweats, tank tops, uh, unitards, uh, leotards, everything you can think of to, to audition for these choreographers. And I was dressed like I was going to a jacked up club. I don't know where <laughs> I was going. But I second guessed myself for a second. And I was about to leave because of how he just gave me the riot act. Yeah. And, um, and then I ended up staying, I got cut right away, Mm -hmm. but I still stayed because I could have left off of what he was saying about what I looked like, Mm -hmm. but I was being true to who I was and going into a room, uh, maybe a little uncomfortable because I wasn't dressed in everybody else's wardrobe, but I needed to 
to stand out. Yeah. And I only did that one more time at another audition. And thank God it was Billy Goodson because Billy Goodson said, um, I'm amazed you can move in that outfit. Yeah. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you picked up the choreography, but you need to come dressed for the part, which is now where I'm at now, where I tell people, how are you going to come in to a Nike audition wearing Adidas? Dude. <laughs> so, you know, so now I understand, you know, the value, the purpose and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just tell people, you know, quit coming in and trying to show yourself off. Why don't you come in and book the job? What the hell does that mean? It, it's pretty basic. Instead of coming in and making everything about you, why don't you come in and just get the job and make them want you? Right. And, you know, and, and there's a there's a different journey and a different perception. And they're like, oh, yeah, because you used to do that. Uh, yes, I used to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very aware of what could have been and what should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm not as hip as you want me to be in your young, youthful lingo, but uh, you know, just being cute and fly is not going to always get you the gig. So, and you know, I, I love it because we both keep going back on stuff. The other person said, uh, you, <laughs> uh, there's, there's a little psychological level to how you see other people's potential as well is because you went through what people didn't see in you. You went through all these no's. So you've built up the radar to see what other people don't in general. Again, you're already a visual artist. We've already covered that from when you were in high school and seeing the formations and the patterns and stuff. You see things that other people don't see. You even see it in traffic, but you also see it in people because uh, that's your skill set with your visual skill set. But then you're, you're psychologically, you're like, this person here, I can see something that someone else won't see because of whatever their limitations are on that. So you also have that because of your experiences. Again, that guides you into where this longevity of a career that you've had and doing everything that you've done in so many different facets of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a very, uh, unique, uh, eye opening and continuing growth of my perception of things that I see and, and what I try to invite or share and all that stuff. Um, I'm getting ready next week to go do an audition class for Mm -hmm. a school uh, 50 kids. They want me to teach an audition. What everyone forgets about who I am now is um, something that I don't like to share, but I'm going to share because it's. I see it as powerful. People see it as um, wrong. When I hold auditions and I tell people to walk into a room mm-hmm. and lay their stuff off to the side and uh, come straight to the floor, it's the first thing that I'm noticing. I'm not even typecasting, but it's the first thing that I'm noticing. And then here's eight people that lay their bags because there's no place to go in the middle of the room. They are the first eight people that I excuse out of the room because they didn't follow directions. Mm -hmm. When I ask for your headshot and someone says, my agent sent it, you're the next person I ask. Because if (laughs) I said to bring the headshot to the audition, I don't want to hear you ran out, my agent sent it, it's out, whatever. Mm. I'm sure all of those stories are true some way, somehow. But for my audition... I asked you to bring a headshot. Right. So you're the next person that goes out. I said, do a coupe turn across the floor and you did a double. I just wanted one single coupe. So I want to remind people that if you're not listening and if you're not invested in the process, how am I supposed to work with you when I'm under fire creating the magic Mm -hmm. that's needed? 
the magic that is you that I'm hiring, not me. I'm just the one giving you the movement. Mm-hmm. You're the one in front of the camera showing off the goods. Mm-hmm. So how is it that you can't even put your bag to the left or right of the room? So when everyone thinks I'm coming in to teach these combinations and these movements and dance style and everything, I'm teaching you how to walk into an audition. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it's right. And I didn't say it's correct. It's my vision. It's my eyes that I see, but it's the way for you to read the room better. Right. That fits you, not someone else. But see, that's the thing. A keyword, keywords you just said there is read the room. Many people today, actually, even many people from our time of uh, performing, <laughs> just don't have that skills. They just, they're just so as you said, into themselves and needing to show off, even in dance class. I remember, I remember being in dance classes, like, yep, you don't have to push me out of the way to go. You can have the fucking front. I don't need to be in the front because I'm going to get the same experience and they're going to see me either way. Do what you need to do. But so many people are so self-centered, self-centeredly egotistical that it needs to be about them at that moment. But you know where that actually comes from, that they're trying too hard to uh, project what they can be versus who they are. It goes back, it goes back into that authentic self about being in your skin, owning your position that, you know what? Cool. It's all right. That doesn't, that doesn't say walk into a room and hide in the back, but that me, but that it's at the same time, it's, you don't have to push to the front. And then when they say switch lines, you shimmy your feet and pretend you move back, but you're still in the front. Dude, I said, switch lines, go to the back. I've seen you. I need to see other people. Yeah, yeah. That hey, listen, I love that because I used to love to come take your dance classes. And the reason why I love to take your dance classes is because I could just stand in the back of the room. Yeah. I didn't have to, you know, and when they switched lines or whenever you did, I don't know why yeah. I have Robin, you know, you're Yeah, I did, I did crash. I did <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, do you remember this? Yeah. So 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 I I remember that because I remember going to uh, you know, you could go many places to go take dance classes, but what I enjoyed about going to yours is that you taught, you know, and no disrespect to anybody else. I don't need to hear stories. I don't need to hear what's good, what's hot, what's happening, whatever. I just need to learn, get some sweat on and go and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you're still one of, one of maybe five teachers that I loved doing class from beginning to end. Oh my God. Where I, I didn't, and no, I really did. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes I'd miss your class and tell you I wasn't able to come and, you know, yeah. and, and, and whatever, but it, it, it was just a good thing. So just in that teaching mode, I mean, I, I bite from, I take little oh. stories and stuff from, from people that I like to use to help uh, build who I still am. Cause I'm still on a learning curve, you yeah. know? Um, but, but yeah, so your, your classes, your st- I mean, listen, the whole, this whole um, industry is we're, we award ourselves when we achieve and we, we award ourselves and we, we say we're good when someone gives us something. Um, and, and thank God that I was told no early on mm. because uh, I know I'm good. I know I'm good. Not at what I do. I just know I'm good. Forget about my industry. I know I'm good and I have something to offer. And that can be in many facets. Mm-hmm. I just want the dancer to know that they're an actor, they're a model, they're mm-hmm. a writer, 
they're a musician, they're whatever they can be. But we get ourselves caught into this is how we have to do it and this is how we have to be. When I have the ability to do many, many things and everyone's all, oh, but that's because that's you. But why isn't it you? Why are you just a dancer? And why is it that once you think you can't dance anymore, there's nothing else for you to achieve? Mm. You know, the reason why I was able to sustain being a choreographer, uh, a wannabe dancer, um, a creative director through the 90s into the 2000s is because I allowed myself to read the room and see other parts that I can do. I can be an assistant. I can be uh, an actor. I can be a performer. So I started doing tons of commercials. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just choreographing, but trying to get in them. So I allowed myself to see other things that I found value in for me, not for others and not for the person hiring me. Oh, I want to be good for that person. I want to be whatever. And I just told my buddy last night, um, uh, Sheila Manning, one of the biggest casting directors in the 90s, uh, would just never hire me, never hire me. I would never get brought into the room. And, and I was always asking. They're like, she didn't pick you. She didn't pick you. Uh, she going to pick me one day. So I sent her a letter. Because uh, back then we wrote, <laughs> I sent her a letter and, and I sent her my headshot and I said, I have not had the ability to audition for you, get to you. Now, mind you, she brought me in and she booked me on one job and never did again and she's passed on. But that drive, that, that um, hustle that mm -hmm. I still have today is why I work and why I'm able to teach and why I'm able to guide and why I'm able to instill and, uh, and uh, I, again, my answer isn't better than your answer or someone else's. It's just a different journey and a different process. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want people to understand and know. Yes. You know, their information is valuable. And so is mine. That's why we have opinions. That's why we have, you know. That's why we have different perspectives. That's why we have different lives. We're different people. Yeah. It's as simple as that. That's why you're in Amsterdam and I'm in North Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so rewinding a bunch, what what was it that got you to L.A. to make the move to L.A.? Because you booked uh, choreographing for the Lakers from the Bay Area. You weren't in L.A. then. Right. So what what was it that made you do, pushed you to make that jump? Uh, just uh, the opportunity. The jump was there was more opportunity. I also had a girlfriend at that time, too, mm -hmm. that, that moved to, down to L.A., um, but, um, it was the opportunity to do something different. Mm. It was the opportunity to challenge who I was. It was the opportunity to know that if I can't do it here in the city, in the Bay area, where can I achieve this? Um, and everyone kept saying LA, LA, LA. And, um, you know, I was scrappy in the sense of got to hustle, 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 got to keep it yeah. moving. I didn't say keep it moving until probably until 1996 or whatever the deal was. But, <laughs> but I, uh, but I knew that my father instilled common sense in me mm -hmm. and I knew because of my dad's work ethic that, um, uh, you just had to do, you know, if, you know, and if you just followed the directions as best you can. Now, listen, I made, I made tons of mistakes and I still make mistakes and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Like I always say to everybody, but what I know is that I've been there, done that. And I know how to uh, massage my way out of it or make it better for me, not worse, 
Back mm. then, we made things worse, at least I believed. And now I know how to grow from it, how to um, excel from it, uh, and how to share it. Uh, you know, and that was my move. I finally just needed opportunity. And then there was opportunity here. And that opportunity uh, grew and grew and grew. And, you know, um, I just didn't make it as a dancer. I just knew visually that I saw pictures more than steps. Mm -hmm. And the steps, I think, and I be truthful about it again, is I think the steps was I didn't allow myself with Nancy Christensen to really be a dancer. I was too caught up in the room and the and and not wanting to wear the outfit mm -hmm. uh I, you know i'm a guy i gotta do it like this i gotta and and i i lived on that for like 10 years you yeah. know of being that person and, and then when i realized that there was another vision i remember um god this is another story but Go for i remember I, the stories I, people need to hear they want to hear i, <laughs> I remember uh there was an audition for birdcage mm -hmm. and um Birdcage, they were looking for drag queens or men that wanted to audition. I had just finally got signed with Bobby Ball, with Teresa Taylor, and they signed me on more as a commercial actor, mm -hmm. you know, and not as a dancer, even though they knew I could dance. And they, they held an audition, Vince Patterson, and um, they had an audition. They asked me if I wanted to go. I said, I'm good. Uh, they had a second audition. They asked me if I wanted to go, and I said, I don't want to be a girl. I don't, I don't know how to dress and drag and I don't wear heels. And, um, they said, um, but you know, you like to, you want to be a dancer. I go, yeah, but they're picking six people. I go, you know, and there was a thousand people at the audition. So they had a third audition and I went, I didn't go to audition, but I went just to see the, the room mm -hmm. and there were boys turning out dressed as girls there. I mean, they were going in, they, you know, they came ready to book that job. And here I am just in a pair of jeans and walking in and just to see the room. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. At that <laughs> time, I, at that time, I was working as a background on Young and the Restless. And um, I became friends with the actors on Young and the Restless. Mm -hmm. And they said, um, why don't you let the wardrobe department dress you up as a girl? And I said, I'm good. I said, I, I, don't, I don't need to go. They're not going to call me again. Then I get a call from Teresa saying they want a stockier, huskier man to audition. And so I said, oh, so because I'm heavy. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> so she's all, she's all, why don't you just go? She goes, Vince Patterson will be there. They'll teach you a combination, et cetera. So I was on set at Young and the Restless. They, uh, um, they dressed me. Uh, I, I basically look like a Mexican mod, a Mexican DR. <laughs> The um, character mod? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and with a little bit of Wilma, Wilma uh, uh, not Wilma Flintstone, with Fred Flintstone. Um, so <sighs> so that combo is is not really cool. So I went to the audition. Makeup. Are, not, hold on. Scared. Are there pictures of Are there pictures of this somewhere? Not not of that, but not not of, not of that, unfortunately. Okay, continue. Um, but but uh, makeup <laughs> running down my face, walking in what I called hills, but they're what we would call kitten hills. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, walking in, uh, barely walking, you know, walked in there. And I remember Vince Patterson walking up to me and saying, uh, are you a dancer? And I said, yes. And he goes, no, honestly, are you a dancer? And I went, yes. And he goes, okay, so you're not a comedian. And I was like, <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to audition as a dancer. And, um, Mike Nichols, the amazing director, uh, walked up to me and said, love your look. And literally I was jacked up. 
just jacked up. I felt stupid, makeup running, everything. Um, they were doing bot monts. I was doing small kicks. They were doing Sinead turns, and I was doing how do I turn in my shoes. Um, and I was being legit, authentic to who I was. Uh, I left that audition, told everybody it was the worst thing that I could ever have done. Sorry. Um, uh, and and, and uh, I got a call back. And they asked me to come back prettier. So I had to hire people to try to make me pretty. And uh, I hired Madonna Grimes, uh, Keith Munyon, all these people to make me look pretty. And Teresa goes, they really think you're funny. And, and I go, but I'm not funny. I'm a dancer. And she goes, let him think whatever. And so I went back prettier in a tight dress. I look like Cher this time. Uh, uh, I wish I had a picture still of that. I did, but I don't. Um, and then Teresa called me and said, uh, you're on hold. And I said, there's no way I'm on hold because there was a million dudes that went there for that. They also asked if you would gain some weight, just a little bit, if you were interested still. And she goes, I swear, if you get this job, I'm going to pass out. And um, a week <laughs> later, I got called and I got the job. And Tony, have I seen you in the birdcage? I, I'm in it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I will be watching this later tonight. <laughs> yeah, so you'll 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 see. I'm singing "We Are Family" in the beginning, in the yeah. end, and in the middle, we're moving furniture. I mean, we had a lot of lot of lot of parts. I was with Kevin Stay, Dante Henderson, mm -hmm. Andre Fuentes, uh, Luis Extravaganza, mm -hmm. uh, Scott, and myself. Yeah. Wow. Once again, not once, not twice, not three times. This. <laughs> Movie was presented to you four times. You kept saying no, but the universe once again kept going, no, nah, little dude, you go into this damn audition. Then you go in and you're like, I look jacked up. This is the worst shit ever. Hey, they want you for a callback. There's no way they want me for a callback. If there was no way, I could, that was crazy. It happened and you booked the job. Yes. That this is, this is. I'm sorry. I was, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard me or people, I am cracking up at this entire story because I can totally visualize you doing all of this stuff and looking like a comedy act in the audition. But you're just like, I'm just doing, ah, oh, I really, if, if anybody is listening uh, and has footage from this audition <laughs> or a picture from this audition, please Please forward it to me at get at gamblesgreenroom.com. This this I, this needs to be shared. <laughs> I gotta find out if Vince Patterson has any of that stuff. But but it's funny because after that audition and doing that job, it was the last real dance job that I did. That was mm -hmm. 1996. Six. And ever since ever since then, even though I was choreographing already, or I believed I was choreographing, how about that? Uh, 96 is when I 96 is when I really a hundred percent was like this is going to be my job from now on. So what was the first job you booked upon moving to LA? My first job that I booked upon moving, oh, Tony Coppola. He was a tap teacher, I believe at um, Tremaine, Morlandis. Uh, he had a fitness video and um, it was the first time ever me coming down, the stocky kid that I was, that I actually had a six pack. Um, and I came into town with, uh, I wouldn't say a six pack, but, uh, 
you could see my muscles. How about that? Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to do a workout video for Tony Coppola. That was my first job. Interesting. No agent. No, no agent because nobody wanted me. Oh, that's just those words, those words, which is so interesting because again, there's, well, not again, but it's again because <laughs> you and I know this, but there's still this image of Hollywood, of who is supposed to be on camera and why it's acceptable for them to be on camera, why it's acceptable for you not to be on camera, where there's really a market for everyone. Once you're in, for everybody, for all the gatekeepers who keep the, who keep the door closed from you, once you get past them and the people see you, they're like, you, I want you. And everybody else is like, but no, but not, but what about these people? No, I want this person. But again, you're not the ones, you're not the one, the gatekeepers aren't the ones that are making the decisions. They're just the ones opening the gates of which fish can go into the aquarium or right. go into the big lake out of the dam. But if you never give me the opportunity, and I, and I say this to this day, even in Sweden, like if you never give people that are not even just marginalized, but that don't have the proper resources or access to be seen, how are you ever going to see the people that you actually need to see? Because not everybody has an agent. Not everybody that needs to perform are signed by a record label. Not everybody, how many, how many stories do we know of people that back in the day it happened where they were just singing? It actually happened to me. I was, in a, I was in a bar the other day. I don't even realize that I do this, but I was in a bar just singing a song. And this dude was like, dude, you're a great musician. I'm like, what? excuse me, what? He's like, you were just humming to the song and it was some great melodies. And I was like, oh, I actually don't realize I do this. And he was a singer songwriter here in Stockholm. He's like, I need someone. I, I, I write my songs, but I'm, I'm good at melodies. I don't know anyone that does harmonies. Would you be interested in coming to the studio at some time? And I'm like, I guess so. But again, it's, I'm not a singer songwriter. I don't have anybody doing that, but it's, how many times do people, you just need to be seen by the right person or heard by the right person to give you that opportunity to have your artistry seen, heard, or delivered to those that want to hear it? Yes. I, li listen, it's so, when I think about past, present, future, because, you know, there's part of me when I say future is mm -hmm. um, I'm looking to see what the next generation is doing. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm looking to see if I can be a part of information for the next generation as much as I can, being current, being, um, being relevant, or being whatever it is. Um, uh, the, the best way that I like to remind people is, is that as long as you continue to do what you love to do, we, you can share information with newbies, mm -hmm. old school, whatever, which is why I always say to people, um, make sure that you're you're fully aware of the the sponge that you can be. Mm -hmm. Be be a sponge so you can gain uh, information and um, and and have what's the word I want to say? Not not uh, the notoriety the notoriety that you believe you you can achieve uh, that you want to get. I just want people to get back to the basics of just knowing your history. Mm -hmm. I had to remember who choreographers were, dancers were, who people were, so I can respect them and understand them. And then where we're at right now, people don't have the ability to do that. No. They don't, they don't understand uh, the tool of educating themselves um, and, and not 
yes, you can use all these new influencers and all these other people, but to be able to really say that you had a journey with your past, present, future, whether it's artist management or uh, singers, dancers, or anybody like that, just being able to understand that, and it goes back to what their worth is, mm-hmm. and you know, and 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 how they can achieve that and see that, and that's the common sense, the hustle, the work ethic. You didn't hear me say your dance training, um, how many jobs you worked on, um, right. who did this and that. You know, something funny. I I say it's funny. Some people don't see it funny, but I find it funny. I ran into a couple of people who just came off a big tour. Um, I didn't know who they were because their first gig was on a tour, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when one of their friends, who's a friend of mine, said, oh, my God, you should meet Tony G. Um, He's amazing. He's a choreographer, creative director, producer, blah, 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 blah. They said, who is he? What has he done? And that friend said, Wait a second. You're a dancer for six years. Get I get you're 25, but you don't know who Tony G is. And I heard that. I turned around because I was already in a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, why are you trying to explain who I am? And she's all like, because how do they not know? And I said, because they just don't know. I mean, it's not important that they need to know. I'm not any bigger or better than somebody else. And And when we left the conversation, she was devastated that I, I, I go, listen, you're 31, they're 25. You're 31, you have a little bit more on them. You've worked mm-hmm. with me for 10 years of your 21. They've never met me. So it's up to them, though, to remember where they're going, what they're walking into, so they can't say that they're a dancer. And I was on tour with Pink for five years, but you don't know anybody else except just the Pink dancers and the choreographer? Right. You know? And how are you not growing? How are you not us uh, taking information or researching or knowing that when this job ends, how do you move to the next job? Melanie said the same thing. Melanie said the same thing. Cause as soon as you come off, cause as soon as you come off that tour, you, Melanie was like, I was on the phone, like, Hey, I'm back in town. Hey, do you need an assistant? Hey, I, do you need me to run errands for you? Do just so I could be just so she could be in, not people's faces, but just so people knew that she was back around. Because if you're on tour for five, six years, no one knows who you are. Right. You, what do you, what are you going to do? You're just going to rely on your name from being on tour for five or six years to book your next job. As you said, Tone, it's your, that job means nothing to me because it's now a new job. Can you do this job is what I want to know. And that's it. And nobody sees it. Nobody yep. sees it. And you know, the, the other old school analogy that I like to say is if you're booked and you got a job, take the job, be on that job and be in it 100%. Mm-hmm. Unless they call you and tell you, you booked a damn ass national that's going to pay you like millions. And I'm exaggerating. Right. Then don't think about leaving that job yet. But when you want a job that's paying you, let's say SAG day rate, $800. Mm-hmm. And then you get a bigger job that's two weeks of SAG how do you leave so quickly on a job to go to the other job, not knowing that you are not just with the choreographer and the casting director, but the production mm-hmm. leaving a bad taste in their mouth at the last yeah. minute that you're leaving. So, so I say it, even I say it, even when you have a, a, a hundred dollar job, if you're working on that job and you really want to make that connection, then make that connection. But if you just took the job to just tell people you're on a job and you're only mm-hmm. making a hundred dollars, don't do that to yourself. If you're just about to bounce on them when a two hundred dollar job comes, 
So, you know, how are you investing into your, your life? How are you coming off that tour, uh, reaching for the next job? How are you really keeping that momentum in your work ethic to keep that longevity? Not, you know, not, not your dance career, your longevity in Dude, this dance career. Literally the word, next words out of my mouth was work ethic and longevity. Thank you for saying it. It's people don't make that connection that these are relation these are working relationships you're building on these jobs what a lot of people do is they see the paycheck and they see the title that they can, or they see the name of the job they can uh brag about to family and friends but they don't see that this this industry especially in los angeles is all about longevity and connections and remembrance of what value you bring to a production or to someone's work environment it's your your energy like you're saying if you just leave so, and someone refers you next someone's going to go yeah i was on a set with them before and they're not reliable reliable yeah uh yeah they they're talented but they're not reliable i uh they're they're talented but i don't their energy wasn't uh i didn't i didn't feel their energy on set that day and you lose out on work because you decided that that wasn't worthy for it like you didn't invest yourself into it or anything. Ah, there's just so many different levels with it. Yes, 100%. Okay, so what I want to do is we're going to finish this off. Um, there's one more sequence that I have with my guest. My last name is Gamble, and you know I always play off of it. So what I did is I bought a roulette table. I love it. Filled with 16 shot glasses. Each shot glass represents a variety of different questions. So what happens is we spin the magic roulette ball around. It lands on a number. And I ask you a question. It's nothing scandalous. It's nothing uh, dirty shame for anything. It's just fun little questions. Are you game? I'm game, 100%. Love let's, it. Let's, play, let's play the game, Gamble. <laughs> Welcome to Gamble's Green Room. All right, here we go. So we take our little magic roulette ball. We spin it around. We spin it around. And we see what magic number it lands on. Four. But wait. I think that you should have a shot because you have to drink. I, I mean, we don't do, but so it just, wait. So just so you know, okay. Oh my God. So one of the last things I remember is doing a shot of tequila with you. <laughs> Actually, that's normally the game. If so, when Corona is over and I get to do this in a studio, the game is if you don't want to answer the question, you have to do a shot or we do, a, or we just do a shot anyway, because it makes the question more fun. Perfect. Now I've had this question before. No, it's a good one for you, but I also have another one that I want to ask you. So we'll see what happens. So this question is question number four. What's a gig that you don't want people to know about? It's a gig that I don't want people to know about that I did. Yeah. Um, Whether you choreographed it, you performed it, you cast it, whatever it is, a gig that you don't want people to know that's on your resume or that's not on your resume that people should well, never well, find out you, about. You know what's funny? It's not that I don't want anyone to know about it. I already talked about it. Um, I didn't want to uh, talk about the Tony Coppola job, ah, the fitness job, yeah. my first job. Um, and it's not because uh, it wasn't something I didn't like or enjoy, mm -hmm. but it was um, the person that the industry wanted me to be. But mm -hmm. it wasn't, even though I was authentic to who I personality was, mm -hmm. but the image of the six pack in shape guy, mm -hmm. um, uh, I was picked out of the dance class to be in that paid video uh, mm -hmm. because of that look. And the reality was I couldn't sustain that look and it wasn't a look that I wanted to to achieve. So mm -hmm. that would have been the job that I kind of 
it's really not even on my resume. It's so old, but it's just <laughs> not something that I, I don't really, really talk about it. But okay. since you did say what was my first job, that was my first job. Cool. Great. So this works out well because I actually have another question for you that I wanted to ask in general. So the bonus round is uh, you have such a, because we've talked about so many uh, factors along your life trajectory, I'll say. What is what is one of your most memorable experiences throughout your your life trajectory? Doesn't have to be your career. Uh, we already talked about Miss Nancy, Miss Karen. But what is what is one of the most memorable experiences that you've had along your journey? Uh, to be honest, one of my most memorable uh, experiences is um, connecting with United Spirit Association. Mm. It's it, it's it's the foundation of um, how I how my hustle took me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're the ones who showed me opportunity. They're the ones who kept me creative. They're the ones who allowed me to. Uh, hey Tony, we need choreography. Uh, we need eight eight counts, but we need it in twenty minutes. So I was taught how to move quickly, mm-hmm. how to engage quickly, how to um, um, develop quickly, how to see the picture even quicker. Um, Mm. And because of that uh, building, that foundation, um, it has allowed me to continue to build and grow on it, to allow me to have um, uh, memories, you know, on Sum 41 music video, Mm. taking Solid Gold and doing a remake of Solid Gold in a Sum 41 music video that's a rock and roll band uh, and, and having fun with it. So the that that experience that company um kind of has uh pushed me to who i am and where i'm at today nice okay so before we go if people want to find out more about you how do they find you across the web across the web where um social media (laughs) i mean that's right uh instagram instagram uh tony g cast and and then I have a website. Uh, I haven't updated it in a while, but it's TonyGFresh.com, I think. Yeah, TonyGFresh.com. Cool. Uh, but I'm mainly on Instagram is, is the most thing that I do. And Facebook I'm on because um, it's just a, a quicker way to uh, connect with people. And that's just underneath my name. Okay. Um, let's see what's going on. Tony Gonzalez. And then you mentioned you have a TikTok? I do have a TikTok, uh, GFresh. Um, I, I, I like to play on it on and, on and off, at, G, at GFresh. Okay, G Fresh. Awesome. So we have Instagram, Tony G Cast. We have Facebook, which you don't really use besides to connect with people, which is Tony Gonzalez. And then we have TikTok. We have your website, which is TonyGFresh.com. And then we have TikTok, which is G Fresh. Yes. Nice. Anything else you want people to know? Uh, what I want people to know is that this is cool. I just haven't seen you in forever. And, and just getting to reconnect and and discuss about just small things that you know just have to come and go you know yeah. whether it's my career or you and i bouncing back and forth on each other these are called real conversations and uh real things that i believe again that people need to do more than just on the phone yeah connecting dope that's it 
So if you're not doing it yet, make sure you are following at Gamble's Green Room. Speaking of social media, <laughs> being on your phone. If you're not doing it yet, make sure you're following at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram to stay up to date of each episode released with each one of my new guests and as well as some background uh, footage and some behind the scenes information, as well as uh, some giveaways that are going to be coming up on at gamblesgreenroom.com. You have a tree link to all of your audio streaming services that you can find, although you're here already. But if you want to switch up, you can find it out there, as well as our uh, web shop going to be opening pretty much soon. Hoodies, tote bags, uh, coffee mugs, all coming your way with at Gamble's Green Room. And then if you're not doing it, make sure you subscribe so you stay up to date to every episode release. I just have to say thank you so much to my friend, Tony G, being here with me. Dude, I miss you so much. Love seeing that smile. Love hearing that voice. And for you to tell me that I am I was one of your favorite classes, like, do you know how intimidated well, I was when I saw you walk into my room? When I saw you walk into that room at 24? Like, I was like, oh, my God, it's, why is Tony here? Because am, am I... <laughs> Am I good enough? Am I? And you start second guessing yourself, but it was just, you have to be there. But dude, that was, I love teaching. Teaching is my thing. Uh, it was a fun class and it was a, a well uh, suited time slot and, and people loved it. I enjoyed it as, mu- as many times as I could try to make it there. I enjoyed every single time, my friend. Oh, thank, oh. And I miss you. I want you to stay safe. I appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again. We'll do it again soon. Talk to you later, my friend. Peace, buddy. Take care.